Caution, the contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Today, we continue our two-part investigation of the Schumanns with Robert Schumann in the spotlight today with a movement from his Four Sketches for Pedal Piano. And as a gentle advisory notice, we will be talking about struggling with mental illness in this episode, so if that will make you uncomfortable, then go ahead and just skip to about the seven-minute mark where we will just start talking about the music. If you missed our last episode, episode 67, where we told you about Clara Schumann's life and works, we definitely recommend going back to take a listen to that. Robert Schumann was born in 1810 in Zwickau, Germany. His father was a bookseller, making Schumann one of our few composers who didn't first take music lessons from a parent. However, his father did encourage Robert's well-rounded education. A music tutor was hired, and by 1817, the young Schumann was playing and dabbling in writing music. Schumann spent most of his childhood at school in the Zwickau Gymnasium. While there, he developed a knack for writing poetry, which would later translate into him writing lyrics for his own famous German leader. As a 16-year-old, Robert encountered much emotional strife, however. His father died and his sister committed suicide all in the same month. And for a sensitive romantic youth like Robert, this must have truly been troubling. To ease the sorrow, if only a little, Robert was willed his father's inheritance. This did come with the stipulation that Robert attend university, and so, having never really been pushed directly to music, he first entered Leipzig University as a law student. However, as we've come to find with the many other composers who studied law first, they ended up not liking it. And Robert was no different, so instead he found himself preoccupied with writing songs and lyrics, neglecting his law studies, and he even eventually found himself a piano teacher. Now this was really the start of all of his troubles for the next several years. His piano teacher was none other than Friedrich Weick, father of the talented Clara Weick, the young pianist who was taking the European concert stages by storm. And under his new piano teacher, Schumann progressed wonderfully. Eventually, he left Leipzig for Heidelberg University, where he became a real music student. <laughs> but in spite of now actually studying what he wanted, music, Schumann was still not a good student. Schumann's mother did some negotiating. It was decided that Robert would return to Leipzig and move in to the Weich household for full-time piano training. The stern and rigorous training by Weich was just what Schumann needed. He became obsessed with becoming a better pianist. Unfortunately, this is the first time we really start to see the dangerous manifestation of what would later turn into mental illness for Schumann. He would experience manic episodes, and in one instance, he became obsessed with improving his finger technique and permanently damaged the muscles in his hand, never to be used again. So, his life as a professional pianist was at its end but he could still compose. Soon after, he began successfully publishing piano collections that were well-liked across Europe. He also joined with a group of other Leipzig artists who all felt that the current state of the music criticism in the city was too conservative and thus didn't allow for any room for experimentation or growth. 
and Robert didn't like that one bit. So he became a music critic as well, leading the charge to promote new and the absolute music of the Romantic era. He began to really make a name for himself in the musical world, and young Clara Vike found herself falling in love. Initially, Robert actually became engaged to a different student of Vike's, Ernestine von Fricken. However, to Robert's romantic heart, it wasn't the match he wanted, and this engagement was eventually called off, and Clara and Robert made their feelings known for each other. And then, as we learned in Clara's story in our last episode, her father strongly opposed this match wholeheartedly. But by 1840, Robert and Clara had wed, and his career was moving forward. He was even composing great symphonies, including his symphony in C major, subtitled The Great. (laughs) His symphonic output was actually thanks to Clara. She saw his smaller works were such a success that she encouraged him to really broaden his horizons and work with the whole orchestra. His symphonies were a hit, being promoted by the great conductor Felix Mendelssohn. Schumann continued to work with Mendelssohn after these symphonies. The new Leipzig Conservatory opened up with Mendelssohn heading up the establishment and Robert taking chief teaching position as, quote, professor of piano playing, composition, and playing from score. However, Schumann's health began to decline. Concert tours and even daily life were sometimes a struggle for him as he fell into bouts of depression and anxiety. He and Clara moved to Dresden for a change of pace, and that actually did help his mental state immensely. But he soon began to be exhausted by his career. He couldn't play the piano in a flashy way, his mental health didn't allow him to compose the way he wanted, and he was not a great conductor. In 1852, on top of all of this, Schumann's nervous system turned against him. So Asa, can you guess what nerve began giving Robert trouble? Now, since he was a musician, I can only assume that unfortunately his most precious ears would be affected. Ah, yes, the aural nerve. So, he began having aural hallucinations, hearing sounds that weren't there. His own ears had betrayed him. In 1854, he experienced his most violent attack of these symptoms, and he himself requested to be taken to an insane asylum. And we can only assume that in this despair, he must have felt like the worst possible fate he could suffer. For a day after being taken to the hospital, he escaped and attempted to drown himself in the Rhine River. He was saved from this attempt, but his mental health continued to deteriorate. Sadly, he suffered in the asylum for over two more years, unable to compose and eventually even unable to communicate with his family and friends. He died in the asylum in 1856 at the age of 46. So now let's move on and talk about his four sketches for pedal piano. Uh, We will be going over a movement entitled Lebhaft. This little collection was written in 1845 at the height of Schumann's career. And later, after his death, Clara revived the work in 1863 for performance on piano in her own salons, and then she finally republished the work in an arranged version for piano in 1895. And as evidenced by a letter from Clara to Brahms, she really wanted to edit the pieces in a way that would make them playable by amateurs, thus further promoting the memory of her brilliant deceased husband. So the title of this movement is Leibhaft, which means lively. And as the title of the piece states, these pieces are written for an instrument called the pedal piano. This is an interesting instrument, and one that, quote, real music wasn't usually written for. It looks like a bit of a mix between an upright piano and an organ, 
having just one finger keyboard and one foot pedal keyboard. Many musicians in the 19th century actually used this instrument as a practice instrument in preparation for playing the organ in church services. Since it was much smaller than a full pipe organ that was found in the church, it could be placed in a more convenient location for the musician to practice. So Robert Schumann is one of the few composers who wrote music that was meant to be purposely performed on this specific instrument. The pedal piano is very rare now, however, so the four sketches can be played on a full organ or with Clara's arrangement for piano. As we mentioned, Schumann was very famous for his inventive leader that often used his own lyrics. A lead is just a specifically German song that often tells a story. And though the piece we're looking at today does not have lyrics, it is written very much in the style of a lead. There is a repetitive verse or A section that we hear repeated many times throughout the piece. This A section also has a subsection that's a little more major sounding. We essentially repeat this A section twice, making sure that we really learn the melody before moving on. If this piece were to have lyrics, the protagonist of the lead might be singing about their woes and sadness. The B section is much more calm and content. Perhaps here, the protagonist of the lead would be singing about how all their worries have gone away. The B section also has a small subsection that is even more sing-song with a very sustained high notes in the top voice. And then, to round out the piece, we return back to the A section. And so whatever diversion had brought joy to the protagonist has ended, and they're back to their life of struggle. So to sum it all up, we essentially have an AABA song form on our hands. If you've ever listened to any type of pop music, which we're sure you have, then you have heard this very same song form used. Writing for the pedal piano, or in this case, organ, Schumann was able to paint with a variety of musical colors. That's because an organ has many different kinds of pipes, called ranks, built into it that produce very different sounds. For example, at the beginning of the piece, Schumann is just asking for what's known as the principal pipes to be played. The principal set of pipes are the ones you generally see on a big pipe organ. There are far more that are actually hidden away. These are the types of pipes that produce your typical organ sound. In the B section of the piece, however, Schumann actually changes the timbre of the sounds by asking the performer to switch what's known as stops, meaning that the organ will play from a different rank of pipes. So here, he asks us to switch to the flute rank, which is actually intended to mimic the sound of a real flute. And you can hear how it's wispy and more quiet with these pipes.
Now this change in sound quality is not quite so drastic, because both sets of pipes use the same principle of moving air quickly over an opening, just like playing the flute. However, there are some other ranks of pipes on an organ with reeds in them, like a clarinet or oboe, that would have a much different sound. And if you would like to hear an expert organist walk through all of this in detail with sound examples, we've linked a very good YouTube video in our description. One unique thing about the organ is that it can hold a note indefinitely as long as its internal mechanisms are pushing air through the pipes. Schumann used this feature to his advantage throughout this piece, though it's probably easiest to hear in the B section. So what we'd like you to listen for is a very long and low note that remains static for the entirety of the first phrase of this section. Were you able to isolate that low sound holding under the higher eighth notes? So this is actually a very common technique that can be traced all the way back to the days of Gregorian chant. And since it's easily achieved in the organ by holding down a low foot pedal, music theorists actually refer to it as a pedal tone. In theory, this bass note will be a part of the harmony happening above it, whether it's the tonic or part of an inversion but it can also help the listener subconsciously track where the harmony is moving. We hope you've enjoyed this episode about Schumann with a little more instrument technical talk than we normally have about the organ. And again, check out the YouTube video in our episode description to get a much more in-depth education on this glorious yet complicated instrument. And if you like what we do here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, we encourage you to tell a friend who might also enjoy the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or on Instagram at the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Um, what was there, anything else? Oh, yes. And please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Liebhoft from Four Sketches for Pedal Piano is performed by Michael Chopin. You can find The Coffeehouse on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.